The Digested Read by John Crace More Pricks Than Kicks by Samuel Beckett It was morning, and Balakwa was stuck in the first canty of the moon. He was in stasis, between infernal allusion to Dante and a youthful homage to Joyce. The master. What would Stephen Dedalus do? he asked himself. Perhaps a lengthy contemplation on the nature of the perfect loaf of bread, a perambulation round Dublin pitted with testy interlocutions with the grocer, and then back to his aunts for dinner. Yes, that would be admirable, though perhaps with a little more divine comedy than the self-regarding Stephen. Christ, he said, as his aunt placed the lobster in the boiling water. It's alive! Well, it's a quick death. God help us all. It is not. We're only at the end of the first story. Where are we? Winnie asked. Where are we ever with Beckett? Balakwa murmured. Character, plot, meaning. Just nihilistic abstract ideas to fill in time before we die. They were walking in the mountains near Dublin, and Balakwa sensed his impetigo playing up. What ails you? she inquired. He scoffed at the notion of a sequitur. Linearity was for fools who wondered how such an unattractive, indolent sot could prove quite so irresistible to women. Here is where I take my sursum corda, he said, entering the Martello Tower. Then I shall see my acquaintance, Dr. Sholto, at the lunatic asylum. He stole a bicycle and rode like the wind to the public house. The master was slipping through his grasp. He needed to smell the streets of Dublin, to reconnect with that lyrical blankness where words filled the page, simple words, obscure, learned words, invented words, 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 and yet more words, crisscrossing the blankness until the story was done, even though nothing had been said. Nothingness was the meaning. He cast his mind back to the trituration of the child in Pierce Street and the woman who had sold him seats in heaven. Jesus! He must be even more pissed than he imagined. Whither next? It is the night before Christmas, and Balakwa was sitting in the inn, discoursing on the perfect amplitude of women over a glass of porter. It is vital the Alba's red dress be closed at the back, or I shall be forced to withdraw my favours, he told the polar bear. I wish that it weren't, the maid replied, because then we would be spared your witless, solipsistic, empedoclean observations of the Hexenmeister and the Lebensbaum. Come, sir said the police sergeant while Balakwa cleaned up the vomit he had catted all over his boots. If it was only as easy to rid you of your verbal excesses. Give it time, said Vladimir and Estragon. The Alba's party ululated with the joycient banter of a sockdologer as Balakwa rang the doorbell 
You are soaked through, the Alba shrilled. We must take off your clothes. Just Marga knocked and Heil Hitler, he replied, for it had been a while since he had experimented with language. It was a cold night as he walked home, and the pain in his abdomen grew worse. He squatted by the pavement and evacuated himself loudly. The pain remained. There was plenty more shit to come. The Tufts lived out in Irishtown, and their daughter Ruby had invited Balakwa to lunch. Balakwa will be familiar to you, but Ruby will not, so if you will forgive the authorial intrusion the master bade me make, I shall tell you a little about her. There again, I might not. Those skirts are an encumbrance to our walk, he said. Let us walk naked to the summit and try to kill ourselves. The revolver's bullet fell harmlessly in Teram. L'amour est l'amour n'est qu'une même chose. I bet the master could never pun in French. Belacqua bestrode the fields, lamenting that his fiancée Lucy did not allow him a sissispio. A vagabond urinated powerfully in a sulphurous yellow stream. J.J. would be proud. His bitch, the mighty Tanzer, disturbed Lucy's mount and she fell crippled to the ground. But Tempus Edax, and he is now married to her. Her death two years later came as a timely release to the narrative, and Balakwa unfeasibly became Dublin's most sought-after squire. It was Thelma Boggs who had the pleasure of becoming his second bride. "'Be my attendant, Mr. Harry Capper,' Balakwa commanded, handing him Lucy's ring to pay for the wedding. "'But don't spend more than ten pounds.' Why are you so beastly? Thelma ejaculated to clarion ring of the unbuttoned symphony. Because it is in the tradition of drunken Irish modernism. Now I do declare my carnation has gone west. The same could be said for the story, for if the narrative was in need of hospitalisation, then so was Balakwa, who was having a tumour the size of a brick removed that dreary morning. He knew how Stephen would await his destiny, but not a bourgeois poltroon. With references to Grock and Democritus, with a passing sexual reverie, why no, there must be another loud and copious evacuation. By Christ, he did die. They had forgotten to ausculate him. Smeraldina, the third Mrs. Shua, did I forget to mention that Thelma had passed on? She, of flabby thighs and pendulous breasts, surveyed her husband's corpse in its Ulysses carrier. Was all that remained a Kleinmeister's Liedenschaftsukerei, thank you, Mr. Beckett, or a parodic corpsulence, thank you, Mr. Crace. Come, lady, Harry cried, let me be your antiphlogistic. She took his hand. I still can't see the moon. 
So it goes the world, a temporal void where everything goes back to where it started. <laughs>